Welcome to Vetsplanation. I'm Tyler, or you can call me Shugs. I love being able to educate my pet parents on what's going on with their furry little loved one. But as an emergency veterinarian, I'm usually running around from critical case to critical case and don't always have the time to be able to tell you what I've learned in 25 years of experience in just those short two minutes. I'm hoping with this podcast, I'm going to be able to help you guys understand what your veterinarian is trying to tell you. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. So this week I'm going to be doing things a little bit different. Normally I'll go into some disease process, but this is actually veterinary technician week. And so one, I just wanted to say thank you to all the veterinary technicians out there. Uh, You guys are amazing. You do amazing things. And if you know a veterinary technician or if you're in the ER right now, uh, possibly even my ER, please thank the veterinary technician for all the hard work that they're doing. I'm actually going to talk about why the ER is so crazy busy right now. You know, some of my wait times are 12, 16 hours for some of these patients to be able to be seen. And people are getting pretty upset about it because obviously you don't want to wait that long. If you're a human ER, you could expect to wait those those wait times as well. But it's a little bit different when you're worried about something else. Like you're worried about your pet and not necessarily the fact that you are sick or when you have your kid and you're waiting at the ER, you know, you're worried about that other person versus you just feeling terrible and kind of waiting your turn until you get there. You know, worrying about somebody else is it's it's really hard. It's emotionally exhausting to do that. And I have to do that for 12, 16 hours, I understand is is very difficult on people. So I just kind of wanted to go into why we have these increased wait times and what we're trying to do about it. This all really started because of COVID. So when COVID hit, there is a lot of things that happened. One of the things is that people were just getting new pets um, at the humane societies that were by me. There were actually no animals for adoption for a little while because they had all been adopted out. Everybody stayed home and then they thought that was a good time to be able to have a pet for emotional support or even because they actually had time to be able to spend with that pet and to be able to do training and things like that, which was fantastic. You know, I want people to be able to get new pets and to be able to um, spend time with them. But that also put a lot of pressure on the veterinary field because we weren't equipped to handle that many animals. You know, there was definitely a lot of animals that were in the shelters and unfortunately some being put down. And so we just didn't have this overload of of animals that were coming in. And now we have a ton of owners who didn't have animals before or just got animals during COVID. And we're seeing a lot more animals than we were before. Another reason is because the owners who had already had animals were now able to spend more time with those animals. They could see more of the things that they were doing. They could pay more attention to things. Maybe they would, you know, rub their back and feel a mass that there wasn't there before, or they didn't know which cat had been vomiting of the you know three cats that they had. And now that they're home more, they're able to see which one it is and be able to determine which one is actually being sick. So we had more animals being brought in for things that we probably wouldn't necessarily had seen from before because people were paying a lot more attention now. Another big thing was that we couldn't really deal with all of these preventable things. You know, one of the problems was that we had these 
everybody getting their animals, right? And now you have to do, let's see, for puppies and kittens, they have to do their vaccine boosters every three to four weeks from age eight weeks to age 16 weeks. And people couldn't get in for those things. They couldn't get in to get their vaccines. Or if they got their vaccines, they couldn't get in that four weeks later to be able to get their vaccines. And so now we have diseases like parvovirus, which are something that is preventable with a vaccine. Well, the majority of the time. We'll go into that in another time. But the majority of the time, preventable with the vaccines. And people couldn't get these vaccines for their pets. So we had a lot more things popping up that we wouldn't have normally had before. And then also people were able to spend more money for their animals, uh, whether it was because they were saving money on gas or they just weren't eating out anymore, um, whether because of their stimulus checks. So they were able to like do more things that they weren't able to do before. Like maybe they were able to get them more dentals done or they were able to do a mash removal that they weren't able to do before, or maybe they... Or maybe they noticed that there was something really critical with that pet and before they may not have been able to spend that money to be able to fix it. But maybe now after we had COVID or during COVID when they weren't spending as much money, now we have people spending more money to be able to do those things. And it's not just, you know, I can't afford it and so I'm going to put them to sleep. The other big thing for us as veterinarians is there's been a lot of backlog. So while COVID was happening, that during the prime of it, we couldn't get like our personal protective equipment. It was hard to get gowns. It was hard to get gloves. We had to, everything was really delayed in getting our supplies. We were like scrambling to get anything that we potentially could because it was all needed to be used for the human field, which makes a lot of sense. You know, we want to make sure that our humans are taken care of. Our humans can't take care of our dogs if they're not alive, right? But because of that, you know, there was a lot of neuters that we couldn't do. There was a lot of space that we couldn't do. And we had to really be, we had to really decide what was going to be urgent or an emergency that needed to have those things done. Well, now we're going to have a lot more problems as far as like not getting spayed or not getting neutered. You know, maybe we're going to have uh, a lot of aggression from one dog who's not neutered to another dog and we got more dog fights. Or maybe we're going to have more pyometras, which is an infection of the uterus that happens because we didn't spay those dogs sooner. You know, so the general practice veterinarians are kind of backed up on those things, trying to get through all of those spays and neuters and, and mash removals and dentals and everything else that they needed before. And now we're starting to see those things in the ER. You know, we're seeing more pyometras or those infections of the uterus. We're seeing more masses that are rupturing because they weren't able to get in, in in time before that mass ruptured to be able to have it taken off. Or maybe we're seeing more dental disease because, you know, normally they'd be able to get in and get a dental done, but because of all of the backlog, they're not able to do that. Another big thing is that we have to do a lot of protocols to try to help make sure that our team is safe. So not everybody I'm sure is using curbside check-ins anymore, but we do for a lot of ours still. Um, the general practice, I think that they don't as much right now, but for emergency, we are. When it comes down to having people back into the lobbies and back into the rooms, it's putting us at great risk because we have a lot of people that we're seeing and we don't want to put anybody else at risk either. But also if, let's say the overnight veterinarian, that'd be me, if I get really sick, which this did happen, I got really sick with COVID and there was nobody to be able to 
monitor those animals overnight. Nobody to be able to take in new animals because there was we couldn't get anybody to anybody else to work. It's not because our job won't hire anybody else. It's not because there's nobody else who wants to come work for us. It's because it's just a big shortage right now of emergency veterinarians and of veterinary technicians. So really, like that, I felt terrible because I couldn't see all those patients that I normally would have seen. And I couldn't help all of those hospitalized patients that I normally would have helped. So that was a big deal. We want to make sure that doesn't happen as much as possible. So us trying not to be face-to-face with people is really trying to help make sure that we're able to stay healthy enough so we're able to see more patients and more pets. You know, I don't want somebody's pet to die because I wasn't able to be there. So we want to make sure that we're staying as safe as possible. Another unfortunately big problem, and this is kind of like why I'm doing this today, is because we have a lot of shortage in our staffing. And again, it's not because our manager isn't hiring anybody. It's not because of us not trying to hire more people. It's from a lot of different things. We have illnesses, you know, people who are calling out because of either getting COVID or they have a fever and they just don't know if they have COVID or not. Uh, unfortunately, one of my really good technicians, she had been out sick for over two weeks because of COVID. And then another big thing is just from burnout, you know, especially in the emergency department. We see a lot of pets. We have a lot of emotions that are running through there. People are always really upset because, you know, this is a really emotional time for you guys. Like I said, it's hard to watch somebody else, especially your pet, that you know you just there's nothing else that you can do besides just wait. It's hard to wait for those things. And it's hard to see them in pain or uncomfortable. And that's something we completely understand. But the other side of that coin is you got to remember that we're just like the human ERs. So anything that's going to be life-threatening is going to come first. So the more stable your pet is, yes, unfortunately, the longer you're going to wait. But that's that's a good thing. Your dog isn't dying at that moment, which is good. Right? We don't we don't want that to happen. So if I put animals just in the order that they come in, then unfortunately, I'm not going to see those really critical patients first and there's a greater chance that they're not going to make it to the time that I'm able to see them. So we try to triage all of these pets the best that we can to try to make sure that we're able to get them in and see the ones that are potentially going to you know, crash or, or really life-threatening first. And then we start making our way through everybody else afterwards. Now, like I said, this is very much like human medicine. My wife was an ER nurse, and this is just very standard whether you are in human medicine versus veterinary medicine. You know, I have a lot of friends who are nurses, and I know that this also goes for human medicine as well, that there's a lot of burnout, especially in the ER. You know, it's, like I said, it's very taxing. It's very trying. And so one of the best things that we appreciate from our clients is just to be patient and kind. Now that will, that kindness will go a long ways. Versus the people who are angry and screaming and yelling. Like those are the people who half the time their pet is not dying and they just don't understand that this is, that that's a good thing. Like they, they do portray, they do think that their pet is, is dying, but 
you know, when we're looking at them and trying to decide whether they are actually okay or not, we're triaging them. You just got to trust our assessment. And if for some reason you notice that the pet is getting worse, then absolutely tell us because that way we'll be able to see them faster if we think that there is some problem getting worse. But like I said, just the best things are for if you're waiting, you're, you know, these 12, 14 hour waits, one, just know that we are sorry. We don't want the, anybody to have to wait that long. This is just unfortunately a accumulation of a lot of things that are going on. And second, just knowing that we are doing everything possible to try to get you in as quickly as possible. It's not just the animals that you're seeing coming into the building. You have to remember that there's also a large amount of hospitalized patients as well. So just because we aren't bringing somebody in immediately doesn't mean we're not dealing with some bigger problem in our hospital. You know, and those can be really unstable patients as well. But know that we are trying, know that we want to see your pet as soon as possible. We don't like having long wait times. They get really like it bothers me so much to have those really long wait times. But those are those are better to be able to have you wait for those long wait times than for us to say that we aren't going to see you at all. There's definitely a lot of hospitals that are at capacity and that's, that's wise because they just can't handle having more things. So instead of getting upset about the long wait times, just be grateful that somebody is seeing you at this point. Like I said, we know that this is really hard on you guys. We try not to, we try very hard to empathize with you as well. So our technicians are the first people you're going to see. And like I said, just be kind to them. You'll be kind to the doctor when you get on the phone with them. That kindness will go a very long ways with us. So thank you guys for listening to this. And I'll be back to doing our normal diseases next week. I'm actually going to do chocolate toxicity next week since uh, it's going to be Halloween. Just seems like it's appropriate. All right. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Please remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not meant to be a diagnosis for your pet. If you have questions about diagnostics or about treatment options, please talk to your veterinarian about those things. Remember, we are all practicing veterinary medicine and medicine is not an exact science. Your veterinarian may have different treatment options. If you like our podcast, please leave a five-star review and hit subscribe so you'll be able to hear all the future episodes. Thank you again and I wish you and your pet well.